a one night stand or, or at uh, Najee Harris. All right, functional fanaholics, we are back today. We are going to be discussing all of the QB injuries and how it affects all of your players, how to approach handcuffs, and also the art of making a trade for the stretch run. I'm sitting here with my main man, Ryan. Bud, how you doing? What's going on? I'm doing good. I'm all excited. I got some new equipment for the cast. I got this new fancy little microphone here that hopefully works and doesn't cut out through this whole show. But hey, you know what? I had some audio echo issues. I want to make sure that I sound more professional. And this is just one of those things that you know I do for all of you and my way of giving back to to the 30 listeners that we do have. So, but hey, speaking of mics, from one mic to another mic, today is a special special episode because it's a special day it is my co-host and aka the talent of functional fanaholics mike jablonski's birthday today i don't know if we should sing for him if we need to like count the wrinkles underneath his eyes but mike what'd you do to celebrate anything special how old are you dude like tell us some birthday stories it's, uh it's the big four six i'm mere tom brady and age i've always uh looked at him as uh my role model to pursue for fantasy football, just making championship games and winning championships. And he's retired. And I, I think that, you know, it's time for me to start retiring from all these uh, commissioner duties, start handing them off to the young pups so I don't have to deal with all you imbeciles. Hey, I tried to take them from you last year. You wouldn't let me. Yeah. Oh, you tried. <laughs> we won't get into that. This podcast has to stay under four hours. <laughs> And has to stay under PG-13, too. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. So uh, here in uh, Michigan, you know, we're sitting here going trick-or-treating with the kids, and it is legitimately leaving my driveway. And it is, I'm I'm wearing running shoes. I have a winter jacket on. I brought a snow cap. Whatever I have a hoodie on, I'm fine. Couple inches of snow just blowing sideways on her hoods, just like sitting here like, what is going on with this? This is so annoying. And then seeing pictures of Marcus, you know, walking out like they're going for a walk on the beach and some of the other states that I have friends in. What a disaster Michigan is sometimes with some of the stuff. You know what, man? That's why I hightailed it to Florida a long time ago because next time I see snow, the only time I see snow is going to be on my terms. But I will tell you, little depressed, a little disappointed. You know, I didn't get to go trick-or-treating. You know, I had to give that up several years ago. However, I will tell you, for more reasons than it being your birthday, today is my third, third favorite day of the year. Behind Christmas, NFL kickoff Sunday, and then it's today because guess what? I bought over $100 worth of candy for like less than 20 bucks. Got in my nice little Kylo Ren Star Wars, but now I have a a desk bucket of candy now that I can dig into and snack on throughout my day. And yeah, I am stocked with Halloween candy just because it has ghosts and witches and bats on the wrappers that people don't want to pay full price. But I am set up and stocked now for the foreseeable future. And I don't care what's on the freaking wrappers. I only care what's inside. Oh, and speaking of candy, wait a minute. You know what? While we're on this topic, and I almost, I got to derail the show for a minute. I feel bad doing this. You know, I almost wanted to do a special Halloween edition episode where we rank Halloween candy. And, you know, I started to think about it of all the goods and the bads. And, you know, I love most candy. And I think, honestly, the worst candy, the worst candy of them all has just got to be black licorice. It is absolute trash. And I have no idea who along the lines of when candy history decided that it would be a good idea to make a candy flavored after anise. It is disgusting to me. And honestly, whoever created it has to be a borderline psychopath because there's no other explanation for it. And it's garbage. Mike, what's your worst candy? I mean, black licorice as we're right up there with it. Like, if I imagine there's a decent chance that I'll burn in hell when I get older, and I got to imagine the only thing down there to eat is black licorice. It is just absolutely terrible. It's just there above might be mayonnaise. A conspiracy theory. 
Do you think yeah. the reason they created black licorice was just because they couldn't have a world with just one color licorice? Could be. Absolutely could be. I will say one of the things that you're missing out on by not being a parent is your kids going trick-or-treating and then dad tax. When the kids come in with all their candy and stuff, especially when they go to bed at night and you just go through their bag and then they th they throw out like conspiracy theories in the morning. Hey, there was a Carmelo bar. There was, where's my big, you know, giant eight piece Kit Kat bar. And I'm just like, don't go through the garbage because you'll see, you'll see what happened to it. So dad tax is uh, one of the uh, more amazing things of being a parent. So. You got to hide the evidence better, buddy. That's <laughs> trust me. I, I, I don't leave, I don't leave it on top. I can say that. Um, you know, other things that went on this week is uh, I went with a friend of the podcast, uh, Nick, uh, from our main league to uh, Monday Night Football. That was an experience. Uh, crowd was wild. Game was a little bit boring. What a disaster the Raiders are. Uh, no wonder they're trying anything with Aiden O'Connell and throwing him into the mix, and we'll discuss that later. But uh, the tirade from Devonta Adams on the sideline and just... They, they remind me of the Lions from a few years ago. They're just such a disaster. I mean, I almost feel bad. Now, the Lions at least could get the ball to Calvin Johnson, though. We never had yeah. that problem. So yeah. this was yeah. that was pretty, pretty bad seeing them leave. I mean, I didn't really care. I'm happy being a Lions fan, and I'm not a Devontae Adams owner anywhere. But seeing them leave about 150 yards and two touchdowns on the field, that was yeah. that was kind of a tough watch if you're an Adams owner. Absolutely. The other funny thing about uh, being down there was we got a hotel at the last minute and we were down in like Corktown. And I, I, I didn't realize that like the hipsters have taken over that area, but you had probably 80 or 90 percent of this hotel um, all being Lions fans or Raiders fans that flew in and it was like, you know, like edamame on your pillow when you wake up, you know, or like a, a moist towelette underneath the bags of your eyes. Like the people that were in there were like the big beard, like neutral colors, no labels, like Doc Martin, you know, like just like, you know, like the artwork in the hotel was just really weird. The rooms were really weird, but it was so funny when we were checking out and I had like a loose hangover going and I could hear this lady in this area that everybody was sitting there on the Wi-Fi on their laptops. And she's just like punching away and she's got her AirPods in and she's talking to a friend. She's like, yeah, so I'm down in Corktown. I'm, I'm with, uh, you know, meeting with so-and-so. And it turns out yesterday that there was a football game in town for, for, for the city or the state. And she's like talking about it like it's not like a big deal or that it was just like, hey, did you hear the Russian traveling circus is coming through town? Like, did you hear that? Like, what planet are you from? And like, get out of here with this. It, it was so annoying. The hotel itself, it, it, it just, I mean, I'm glad we didn't have to drive home, but what what a mess. You would have fit in perfectly there. You would have been. You would have been I in there. I get along with hipsters, man. I, I, get, along yeah. with, I get along with just yeah. about anybody. I can kind of blend in and and kind of work through different crowds and stuff and hipsters. Yeah. I got, kind of got a little bit in common with them in some ways, you know, I kind of, I was a skater back in the day and stuff like that. So yeah, you know, I can, I can blend in if I need to, but how, but how was the energy at the game though? I mean, was the, I mean, I, I mean, I saw the energy here when the, when the Lions fans took over Tampa, um, would love to have gotten back for a Monday night primetime game at Ford Field. Uh, that just had to be absolutely electric, wild. It looked insane from, from what I saw on TV. It was uh, it was really loud, but I mean, I was distracted. One of one of my buddies that I was with was on another planet, and uh, we, you know, shout out to uh, you know Michael Angona and his uh, his beautiful wife Amber that uh, pulled us up into the suites. So you know, we were up there preoccupied with a big group of people doing shots and eating food and stuff like that. So I probably didn't eyeball the game as it didn't look like it was in question, and it was kind of slow moving quite as much as I normally would. But you know, to live like the people you see from uh, Jennifer Lawrence's movie, what was it, Hunger Games, where you see like the ritzy crowd, you know what I'm saying, with like their 
decor and like whatever and just like sipping martinis like I, I i can live in that world every once in a while so it was it was nice there's something to be said and mm -hmm. I, I mean if we had more listeners i'd be a little bit more cautious saying this there is something to be said about anything that makes you feel like you're better than other people whether that's <laughs> status on an airplane and you get out you get to board that plane first to being in a suite looking down at people that aren't in a suite it's just take the comment as you will, but there is something there. And whether you, whether you admit it or not, every single one of you has that little piece of you inside of you that likes it or enjoys it or gets that little kick out of it. So can't, can't lie. Can't lie to this guy. All right, Fanaholics. We're getting into the topics here. Uh, the first thing that we're going to be talking about is just the disaster at QB, the QB carousel. The carousel's broken. People are flying off. People are crying, you know, there's screams from the crowd. Um, I think it's, you know, something we talked about earlier today is one of the biggest topics of fantasy football is all of these Aaron Rodgers and Kirk Cousins and Richardson out for the year. You got Kyler Murray coming back, still dealing with injuries. There's all these guys getting, you know, knocked out and you're constantly assessing what, how's this going to sit there and affect you know, your, your players on your team and your pass catchers. So we're going to get into that as a topic. But one of the main topics that we got to discuss is what do we have in our hands today? What are you drinking, big guy? For the course, in line with my candy addiction that I admitted to all of you earlier, but I am drinking a little Capri Sun Pacific <laughs> Cooler flavor. Um, I was a little, little high at the grocery store the other day buying a bunch of snacks. and. Um, yeah, just had to grab a box of Capri Suns. So these are floating around in my click in my fridge, and ah, they're freaking delicious, man. What about you? What are you sipping on? I mean, it's not much more manly than that, but uh, a little PB and J with some screwball peanut butter whiskey and uh, some razzmatazz. Just uh, getting her going. Cheers, buddy. Cheers, homie. Some of uh. Some of these quarterbacks might need to take a little sip of alcohol, like in the Wild West when somebody's performing a surgery on them in the, the field of battle as it's happening live. Um, just injuries all over the place, and it's really hard to start to look at a player like a Jordan Addison that you know I have in leagues and finally be able to form an opinion on him and then now have to change direction and on the fly make a decision on, do I want to try to move this guy on? Do I want to hold on to him? How do I assess going forward what this guy's value is going to be? Is he going to be 70 cents on the dollar? Is he going to be 90 cents on the dollar? So I thought, you know, we should uh, talk about some of these quarterback situations and even the running backs and pass catchers, how it's going to affect them and what you think. Um, the first quarterback that, I think is, you know, on the tip of everybody's tongue because it just happened and it's so major is what's your idea of how this is going to go with Cousins being out, the second, you know, highest pass rate team in the league, making a trade strangely for Dobbs, who's now on his third team and under his last 10 or 11 professional games. I mean, are you bailing? I mean, you have Justin Jefferson. I know that had to have been a shot to the gut when you saw Cousins go down with that non-contact injury. Yeah, luckily um, luckily, I was in a pretty good headspace when it happened that it just didn't really hit me too deep. And I was just like, eh, oh, well, it is what it is kind of thing. And uh, you know, I was sitting on the couch, actually, Andy, friend of the cast, was, was there with me. And you know, he kind of cringed too. And uh, I immediately looked at him and I'm like, you know, I'm not too worried about it. Like they're they're going to bring in somebody. I'm like, they're, they're four and four, they're right at 500 or whatever, because they won that week. They're still in contention. They're, they're slated right now. I think like the sixth seed or fifth seed, even if like the playoffs started today. Um, so it's like, they're not out of it. If they were out of it, if they had a couple extra losses on that, you know, under that L column, you could see them giving up on the year, but I immediately go, they're going to bring in a Wentz. They're going to grab somebody <laughs> was not expecting Dobbs. And honestly, I'm pleasantly pleased and happy with Dobbs. Dobbs is, I mean, the guy's a borderline genius. I think he has like some kind of like crazy high IQ level. He can pick up on offensive, uh, you know, offensive playbooks really, really quick. And he's a good talent, right? I think he's going to do much better 
in Minnesota than he was doing in Washington or in Washington in, in the desert in Zona just because of the surrounding cast, just because of the Addisons and Justin Jefferson's coming back. And honestly, Minnesota's not making that trade if they were going to mail it in either. They make that trade because they want to continue to contend and they want to compete week in and week out. I mean, granted, it's not Cousins. I think you're still going to get that maybe 80, 85 cents on the dollar of value from those skill players, but it could have been a hell of a lot worse. And I'm pleasantly pleased with this outcome. I don't know. What about you? How do you feel? JJ, Addison. I mean, there was never a running game to begin with anyway. So, yeah, it just sucks because it was such a perfect passing environment. It was like the dream. It always reminded me of Matt Schaub back when he had Andre Johnson. They had no defense. You know, Arian Foster was kind of a pass-catching running back, and they were just throwing it, airing it out, and you'd be like, how does Matt Schaub have 383 and 3, you know, in, in his heyday as a discount quarterback? But uh, the way I look at it is, like, when, when Aaron Rodgers got hurt, everybody was salivating and falling over themselves to draft Garrett Wilson. And you saw how bad it is at times when Zach Wilson is there. The difference is the environment for pass catchers is so much better in Minnesota. I actually am expecting something similar to what you see with, uh, you know, Justin Jefferson being closer than you would want to hear to Garrett Wilson because Garrett Wilson just gets pumped targets. He has nobody else. It's Brees Hall running the ball or it's Garrett Wilson getting 14 targets. I'm not saying Justin Jefferson won't get 14 targets, but the there is no Hawkinson. There is no Addison. Even KJ Osborne has shown, you know, moments. So to me, where Garrett Wilson would have been a top five guy and Justin Jefferson is Justin Jefferson, I think scarily Justin Jefferson's gonna go more towards like a middle tier like wide receiver two. And he's going to obviously have some games where he, you know, has nine for 111 and a touchdown or something like that. But I think you're going to be crossing your fingers from week to week with him instead of just assuming that he's going to have a big game. So I, I, I think the Jefferson thing and all the pass catchers, I think, are going to be hurt by this. And honestly, if they start losing with Dobbs, if they lose their next four games, it's not like a given that they're just going to sit there and keep rolling Dobbs out there. They could very much go to that rookie and just be like, hey, let's mail it in. At that point, it just destroys all of the pass catchers. So, I mean, this is yeah. this is, this is is a disaster. But yeah, you're... It's bad. It's not. Disaster, I think, is big. I think that's too big of a word, too strong of a word. Because I will tell you, too, the one caveat in the difference between Minnesota and the Jets and Garrett Wilson and J.J., is Minnesota doesn't have New York's defense. And Minnesota is going to get scored on, and Minnesota is going to have to score to keep up. And even if you're getting that fantasy production in sheer garbage time, you'll take it. You don't care what time those points are coming. You take them any time that they – any chance you can get them. And with to beat the Jets, you only have to score 13 to, four, four, 13 to 17 points a week. To beat Minnesota, you know, you're probably going to score a little bit more because that offense is still going to click. That defense is bad. You're going to get, I, I just, I don't see it being as bad as the Garrett Wilson. However, fringe wide receiver two to one. Yes. For JJ, probably more realistically middle of the pack, the wide receiver two going forward. I'm hopelessly optimistic though, because I just wanted a full, full JJ coming back to pair up with chase. And that's a bummer. Going to be pouring I... off of that homie. I will add one more thing to that. You saw a sample size last year of Hollywood Brown for six weeks with Kyler, and he was a top five wide receiver. You just saw a bigger sample size with Dobbs, and nobody's looking at Hollywood Brown as a top five receiver. They're looking at a more of a top 20 receiver. So I'm just saying it's not apples to apples. Nobody's saying Hollywood Brown is, but you just saw you know, both wide receivers involved in a top 25 receiver was a top five guy with Kyler. There, there is no, going to be a drop-off. Dobbs is smart enough, though. You have a superstar talent like JJ. You get that dude the ball, and I think it's still, again, 85 cents on the dollar, but I still, I'm not, not too concerned. Um, one of the guys that I am concerned about for pass catchers going forward 
um, is O'Connell. I mean, he had some signs of some little bit of flash in the pan in preseason, but I mean, it's not hard to look good when you're playing against just a, you know, a non-scheme cover two type defense, right? Um, you know, I, I know that we didn't have a lot of high expectations around Adams and, and even Mayer, Meyer, Myers before this because Garoppolo wasn't exactly killing it. But at least you had a trusty, you know, a trustworthy quarterback in Garoppolo that you knew could produce. Um, I, you know, it does really worry me about the pass catchers. I think maybe Mayer's Mayer at the tight end takes a little step forward. We know rookie quarterbacks love their tight ends. Um, but what I think this does help, and I know you kind of disagree, but I think it helps Jacobs. I think it helps Jacobs more than anything because if I'm a new OC that's coming in and I have a rookie quarterback like O'Connell and I'm trying to make a name for myself, I'm not going to go out there and sling it. I'm going to give the ball to Jacobs 30 times a game again. And I'm going to lean on my horse like they did last year. And I do see Jacobs kind of getting an uptick in volume, probably a lot more touches, maybe a little bit more in the passing game from those checkdowns. But I think he benefits out of this change where then, you know, the wide receivers are taking a little bit of a net. I think usually when you see a situation like this, you always see the running backs get a heavier workload. So I do agree with you with that. But efficiency is going to go down because he's going to be getting more attention at the line of scrimmage. O'Connell's not going to scare anybody. But uh, I was jokingly saying in the interview where Jacobs is like, it's not my problem to fix this offense. You know, like he's basically talking, you know what, about the offensive coordinator and the coaching staff to be like, it's their job to do this. It's probably not the best thing to say when you're looking to get 25 or 30 touches is, you know, you know, saying something smarmy like that to your to your coaches and whatnot. So watch Zamir White get in there and uh, go to a 50-50 timeshare, right? You never you never know. Uh you know, there's the injury of Matt Stafford. I mean, you're talking about the number four uh, overall. I think Nakua is still uh, PPR wide receiver four. I mean, after last week, he might have slipped, but he's still in the top ten. Uh, obviously, people drafted Cooper Cup in the top five to ten picks of the draft. Uh, you know, if Stafford's nicked up and out, you really got to look at that as a situation that you want to avoid as well. I mean, I don't know if uh, John Wolford and, uh, you know, Henderson at running back are the offense that you want to push your chips in. So if you have those guys, you might want to look to kind of, uh, you know, veer off if you have better options and the bye weeks aren't killing you. Um, also, uh, Tannehill and Will Levis. What's your, what's, your, what's your idea of the youth movement going on there? What do you think about yeah, the... So Yep, yeah, Nakua still is number four, so spot on right there. Well done. Um, Stafford's day-to-day still. I think we're still too early on the news if we know we're going to have him this week. And then three, is it Will Levis or Will Levi's? Because I've had a pair of jeans that were spelled the exact same way that we did not pronounce the same way. I, I just, I got to know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Have a couple more Capri Suns, and I'm sure the answer will come to you. <laughs> Well, hey, I will tell you what, um, no expectations for this guy. However, I did grab him in a super flex as soon as Tanny got nicked. Um, I did snag him in a super flex just under the sheer, hey, what if? This guy was supposed to be a first-round draft pick. He was supposed to be a top five first-round draft pick last year. Obviously fell, plummeted, went to a system with Rabel and a kind of a run-first offense that, you know, you probably didn't have a lot of high hopes for. You weren't sure if it was going to be Malik or Levi or Levis or whatever. Um, so, you know, there was always that kind of question marks around it. But then when they kind of started to come out and say, okay, well, we're going to have a 50-50 split at quarterback. We know that they're going to give the attention to that draft pick and that draft capital. So I ended up snagging him in a super play. Super surprised at the freaking stat line that he put out. was never expecting that. And also, too, if you haven't seen this guy's shoulder face, go back and watch him. This guy has a full body shoulder fake that looks like he's having like a a little bit of a convulsion like in the pocket but um yeah i was pleasantly surprised with his output um it's too soon to tell kind of got to see what what's going to happen you know again you got a tougher matchup this week with pittsburgh um you know tomlin's in that defense is going to try to be keying in on him watt is going to probably get after him a couple times uh, but yeah, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, is, is D hops already nicked now after getting four catches. So maybe that was his highest workload and old man started to break down. Um, and two, we haven't really seen trail on Burks yet. So it will be interesting to see how that offense kind of progresses. And also too, it's a little bit easier to succeed as a quarterback 
when you have Derek the King Henry that you're handing the ball off to. So I see good things to come. Not expecting a lot this week against Pittsburgh, but that schedule is a cakewalk for quarterbacks down the stretch. What's uh what's it gonna take to have you eat a banana on air like Will? If he goes for three hundred and three this week, will you eat a banana peel and the whole banana peel on air? Oh, the banana peel? Like he God, ate no. the whole banana and the peel. I gotta drop him now. I can't have that on my roster. Yeah. Well, oh God. If you, what's wrong with you? Unless me. That probably cost him a round of draft value. That's why he fell out of the first round. I mean, now seriously, it all makes sense. There's nobody that's there's nobody that's sinking thirty or forty million dollars into a, a a prospect and sees you sit there with your no shirt on for no reason. It's not like you're raising money for uh, charity or something to just sit there and film yourself eating a banana and the peel for no reason. I mean, that had to have cost him at least a round. I mean, give me a break. You know- you know who else ate bananas that way? I guarantee it. The inventor of black licorice. Almost guarantee they ate bananas with a peel on. There's a, there's a good chance of that. The uh, last quarterback transition uh, that I wanted to talk about was Desmond Ritter going to, to Taylor Yolo Ball Heineke. Like, what, what's your expectation there with the pass catchers and Bijan and whatnot? Can't be worse. <laughs> Only one way to go from here, and it's up. I mean, you still got Artie Smith in the way. That guy's always going to be the uh, the fun governor for your fantasy production. However, it can't get worse than Ritter, and Ritter was bad. So Heineke likes to sling it a little bit. He's got a little bit of that gunslinger mentality. Um, hope it opens up Pitts. Hope it opens up London. I mean, I, I got nothing else, although it just can't get worse. I'm going to tell you right now, as everybody is watching this week, Heineke is going to throw a couple Brett Favre low balls in the first, before the end of the third quarter. And Artie Smith is such a control freak. He's going to get so irritated by some bad decisions that he's going to end up switching Ritter back in by the end of the game. I'm telling you that right now. I've, oh I've got God. money on it. Oh my God. If this like that, that could, we could go, we could go viral. I'm, if, I'm calling I mean, it right now. Ritter, it, Ritter will end up playing in this week. Put God, it on the board. Well. I'm, mark, I'm marking this clip for post rod. <laughs> we are, we are, we are. Yeah. This is, this is going to launch us to the, uh, to the stratosphere. Oh. Nail this one. Uh, I actually, so talking about all these garbage players and quarterback stuff, like I was thinking about something on my little walk home when I bought all that candy this morning and, you know, I think it maybe took me back to my childhood schoolyard days and stuff. You remember we used to play the game Mary F. Kill? Well, I was thinking like we could run down a few players and, and do that in a in a more child friendly way, but in a you know in a, with some fantasy players. So I was thinking about you know maybe I'm going to give you a couple players and you tell me Mary one night stand or kill. And this means keep them on your roster, get them the f off my roster, or these are hey ride that hot hand, you know enjoy it while you can. Um, so I'm going to go down a couple. I want to I want to hear your opinion on these. Aaron Jones, Damian Pierce, Najee Harris, Mary, one night stand, kill, go. It's two thirty in the morning, and you're you're giving me the ugly lights just came on, and you're not giving me too many great choices here. Just on pure pedigree, I would I would. Mary uh, Aaron Jones. I, I, I'd one night stand or or F uh, Najee Harris. And at this point, you know, uh, in the main league, Damian Pierce was my keeper. Between the offensive linemen getting hurt, all I mean, it's just been an, a, just a disaster. I can't believe how competent C.J. Stroud is and how much that offense is struggling. It literally makes no sense whatsoever. It, 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 he, he, I'm, I'm done with Damian Pierce. I actually debated about dropping him in uh, yeah. the main league. I've been, so, I've been right on the fence of dropping that dude, too. I mean, granted, um, he almost stumbled in for two touchdowns last week, which would have changed his, his stat line. Um, but, God, I don't know what to do with that guy. Okay, so real quick before we move on to the next part of the show, um, got a couple more for you. Ridley, DK Metcalf. Amari Cooper. 
I would I would kill DK Metcalf because he reminds me of in Living Color when Jamie Foxx was Wanda. Yo, you gonna come over here? Like yeah, like he's too it's too manly. So just I even I though don't think you could kill DK Metcalf, yeah. I think that would break you in half. <laughs> even though this is uh this is supposed to be about football content, I just can't do it. DK 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 is getting is getting killed. You said uh Ridley and who else? Cooper? Ridley and Amari Cooper. I'd uh I'd uh, I can't quit uh Ridley. I just got too much faith in him. I'd marry Ridley. And have my little ride, uh ride Amari Cooper for that one game that we're gonna just, watch. Just that court. one magical that one magical game. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, two more, two quick hitters. Uh, James Cook, who now Leonard Burnett's there. James Cook, Ramondre Stevenson, or Rashad White? Oh, God, these are all such terrible choices. Uh, I'd marry Cook just because he's young and he has some, has some sort of upside. Uh I'd probably kill Rashad White. I can't stand him. His metrics are so bad. He's just averaging like a quarter of a yard per carry and just living and dying on the fact that the coaching staff is throwing him a million targets, you know? So I guess my one night would be who? Oh, uh, Ramondre Stevenson? Yeah, I I could go with that. Cook at least... Cook at least still has some sort of path. Yeah. All right. Last one. Last one. Last one. Bill Belichick, Arthur Artie Smith, oh or Mike McCarthy. Jerry, one night stand, kill. And I know who your kill is going to be. Yeah, I'm definitely killing Artie Smith. And I'd probably go to jail for killing his body once it was already dead. So he would definitely be toast. Uh, I'd probably marry Belichick just because he has he has actual championship rings, and at one point he was hot. You know what I'm saying? Like at one point Belichick was the hotness. So you know I can look back on those photos in the photo photo album. You know, so give me give me that big. Big round bowling ball, McCarthy for one night, you know. <laughs> oh Lord, do you have your fun with this? So the next topic that we we wanted to get into was uh, just talking about how to approach handcuffs. It's getting to that point of the year where a really skillful skillful fantasy player does not have his handcuff early on in the ceiling or in the season because it's it's hurting the ceiling of your team. You don't have any ability to acquire somebody for no reason just by luck. Now it's getting to the point where if you are a six and two team, seven and one, or maybe even five and three, and you do have a very clear handcuff, you do want to grab them. If you're a struggling team and you need a lightning bolt to hit your team and you need to just be able to have a trade chip or have somebody hit your lineup that isn't currently in your lineup, um, that's where you need to start paying attention to other people's, you know, lottery ticket handcuffs. So, you know, Ryan and I thought there was two different categories of running back. There was flex level, high upside handcuffs that we have faith in. And then there's also the lottery ticket guys that need 100% an injury to happen in front of them for them to actually have value. So, you know, what were some of the flex worthy, you know, guys that you can actually put in during the bye weeks and your RB2 or your flex that actually have value without an injury, but if an injury happens, you know, the the world the oyster opens up to you. Yeah, and this is, you know, we we've taken like the Jamar Gibbs, the Chubba Hubbards off the table, right? Cuz these guys are either they're, they're involved in pretty heavy playing time right now, or we foresee them getting that kind of playing time going forward. Granted, DeMont comes back and Gibbs is probably going to take a back seat. However, he's probably going to have a few extra touches. Chuba looks like he's taking over that backfield. So we've kind of taken some of those guys off the playing field. Uh, but a couple of guys that we want to talk about. So these are high-value high, high value handcuffs. 
probably worthy of flex. I actually, the first two guys I'm going to mention, 100% are worthy of flex consideration, and that's Moss and Tyler Algier. Um, Moss is still, Mike, what'd you say today? He's still like RB2 in a lot of formats. He's RB2, RB2 he, unbelievably. Unreal, especially in your league where you reward carries and you get points for carry, actually. It's just Moss has been one of those workhorses. We talked about it last week. Indianapolis, up until last week, was the only, only team in the league to have scored over 30 points every single week going into last week, and they still scored 27. It's a high-volume, high-output offense. They are giving those running backs, you know, they're running the ball 35 to 40 times a game, so both those running backs are still getting 20 carries. Moss isn't even a flex consideration. Moss is an RB2 fringe RB1 consideration week in and week out. Um, the other one, Algier, hey, can't trust Arthur. Ar- Arthi, now I'm combining nicknames. Can't trust Artie Smith. Um, we hate the guy. We've seen him take disappearing acts with, with Robinson. Um, but Algier has kind of been getting some of that love and some of those touches. Um, again, borderline flex consideration. Anything happens with, with Robinson, it's, it's Algier, you know, wheels up. And the other guy that I like that I feel is it's kind of coming on. You know, you guys have heard me beating this drum a couple of times. Like I've been down on Walker. I, I've given you guys some warnings. I've said this three times. Charbonnet is healthy, and he took 54% of the snaps last week. And granted, I know Walker's Nick. I, I, I just think Charbonnet is going to be a thing, and he's going to remain a thing going forward. And I just, I don't know. If you're a Walker owner, Charbonnet is going to annoy the hell out of you moving forward. But I don't know, Mike, what, you agree with those guys? You got anyone else to add? Any, any color to add to that? Hey, hold on now. One second. I actually have a phone call for a second. Yeah, Spartan Rage. Yeah, I'm actually on air right now. Ryan's talking about how he was right about Walker, you know, giving snaps and carries and all that stuff to uh, Charbonnet. So just tune into the, the pod. You'll know all about it. All right, I'll talk to you later, man. Stop panicking. You sound, you sound crazy right now. If there's one person in the universe that needs to hear this, it's Michael, better known, a.k.a. As Spartan Rage. Um, I'm not going to have you disparage my, my good friend Ryan and say that, you know, he's crazy that, that Walker's the man and that Charbonnet has no chance to get any touches. He actually finished off last week with a completely healthy Walker and he, uh, led in snaps and was right up there with touches. So that 80, 20 that you promised us from Walker, uh, you might, you might want to, you know, send some flowers and a card to my buddy Ryan here. <laughs> so the thing that I was going to say is those guys are clearly, you know, have value even without an injury, but would have massive value if the guy in front of them went down. You're talking about like league winning value if the guy in front of them went down. A couple other lottery tickets that we, you know, pinpointed that you might be able to acquire on the cheap um, in you know, they're reliant on the guy going down in front, but there's there's two different ways to look at handcuffs. There's guys that you have no idea, like Zamir White, if Josh Jacobs went down, if Zamir White would actually get the 75-25 or if it would go right into a 50-50 timeshare. So rostering a guy that you don't know that he would handle the workload is one of the most pointless things in fantasy football. So you really got to look at these guys on your bench and assess what category does this guy go in? Do I know definitively this is going to be the guy if the guy in front of him goes down? Otherwise, punt that guy off your team so fast because he's literally killing your bench space. Some of the lottery ticket worthy guys that we think are out there are Jalen Warren. You have uh, Mike Tomlin for basically the last 15 years always running his offense through one running back. You can go all the way back. I mean, go back as far as you want. He always has one guy basically taking the load. Um, He would be a a priority to have if you had a lottery ticket, Tajay Spears. Tajay Spears is going to be a really high draft pick next year in redrafts, and I don't think people are comfortable with how high he is going to be taken next year. When Derrick Henry is most likely gone, you're going to have to have uh, some cojones to draft Tajay Spears because I bet you he's going to be somewhere in that maybe like third round or something like that. And then uh, Jaleel McLaughlin um, for, for, what is it, 3-2 or 4-3-7 speed. Peyton loves him. If, 
you know, I, I don't want to see Javante get hurt because I'm I'm just glad he's healthy and he's back. But if he did go down, it looks like um, P. Ryan's washed. He just looks washed. He do, it doesn't seem metric-wise like he's really doing anything with his touches. So a guy like that could be like a discount A-chain or A-chan. Um, so that'd be somebody to to have on on your bench as a lottery ticket as well. What what what's your thoughts? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we've talked about this too before, right? Peyton loves his dudes. Like he gets his guys. They they fit his system. They do what he wants them to do. Like I mean, we've seen Troutman like travel. I mean, you've seen him bring in other players that he likes. He brought in Stidham. You know, the whole reason Stidham's there is to apply pressure on Rust because Rust isn't his dude and Stidham is. It's like you you see him kind of gravitating towards certain players and like that's what you see with McLaughlin and I mean if Javante goes down which I hope he doesn't because I'm so excited to see this kid and we've been waiting to see Javante a healthy Javante kind of really hit the NFL by storm um but McLaughlin I mean he's through the roof he's a league winner if if um Williams were to go down but so Mike now that we've kind of outlined those players I do have a couple I do want to ask and just real quick for the audience um you know there's some big name running backs out there that there might not be a handcuff behind it i just want to do some quick hitters right cmc is it mitchell is it mason is it anybody if if he's totally healthy and i wouldn't like him to try to survive for four or five weeks but i think it's mitchell if it were one game or two games he can probably stay healthy he's he's like a variation of a deandre swift or a raheem mostert he's just he's he's just not he's not going to be around long but I bet you he could put up some elite production for one or two weeks. If McCaffrey went down for the year and he had to survive 10 weeks, I would try to acquire Mason Amazing. if I couldn't get Mitchell just because I think it would be a matter of time until Mitchell went down with a soft tissue injury. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, we talked about Eckler. We said like that back behind him is a disaster. Kelly can't get it done. They're sprinkling <laughs> filler. Um, Kamara. What about Kamara? It's tough to say because Williams was so good last year in Detroit, but it's a new system. He doesn't seem like the same player, even though, I mean, last year he really wasn't by, you know, the numbers. He wasn't an amazing running back. He was just falling over the end zone. Um, I, I I feel if they if the crap really hit the fan, I think you'd get a little run out of Kendry Miller. So I, w- I wouldn't I wouldn't roster either one of those guys. Yeah, I th- I'm kind of with you there. I think they might see them go with the younger hand just to see what they got. Um, Barkley, we saw Barkley go down, and we know, geez, yeah. Bar- Barkley, you're barely even rostering Barkley. <laughs> yeah. your, like, I mean, he's yeah. the only giant you want. Yeah. And if he goes down, you're bailing on that whole squad. Um, last one, though, Pollard. Anybody behind him? I've heard a couple beat reporters uh, and just guys that follow the team that are saying to – to acquire uh, Dottle, right? Rico Dowdell or whatever. Um, sure. But they're they're saying that they're, they're, they think that Pollard is wearing down and that he, coming off of the, the ankle or foot injury from last year, that he's just not the same player and he's having a hard time handling the workload. So they were predicting that there was going to be a shift. So that doesn't mean that he would be good. That actually, as a, as a Pollard owner... If you were getting the ED20, and even though he wasn't being efficient with it, I would be more worried about getting a 65-35 with Pollard just because uh, you're starting to hear whispers out of their beat reporters that are pretty hands-on with the team that are saying that they're predicting a shift going forward and they're, they're going to take a little bit off of Pollard's plate. I think it's like Zamir White. If you have Zamir White could be amazing. We just don't know it. Rico could be amazing behind Pollard until you see it. it it's, it would be foolish to sit here and try to predict that. Um, some of these guys in a segue uh, are guys that, you know, they're not just sitting on the waiver wire. You might have to go pursue these guys. So like one of the other things we wanted to talk about was the art of the trade. And you know, Ryan, that I am just a, I live to trade. I, I it, it, Nothing makes me more happy in the fantasy football universe than uh, just looking around and making a deal happen and just upsetting the league and whatnot. So to me, when you're a good trader, you have to look at your strengths and your assets and what you have a surplus of versus other people's strengths 
in surpluses and see if they match up. If they do, get after it. you got to stay involved in your league. You have to sit there and know what's going on. This team's 4-4. Four and four. They're in bye weeks. They, they really need a win right now. There's always opportunities there if you're just paying attention. If you wait for your DMs to have a trade sent to you, you might go the entire season and not make a trade. You know darn well there's, there's seasons that I execute more trades in our league than our entire rest of our league combined. Look every single week on the matchups in your league and see where people are hurting. If you have a surplus at a position that they need a tight end or a running back, that's the start of a trade negotiation and tell them, hey, you know, you can't afford to go four and five or go three and six. You have this injured superstar on your bench. Now's the time to sit here and make a deal because what does it matter if you have the superstar and you're not in the playoffs? So just pay attention. Look at the other rosters. Find somebody that matches what you, you have a bunch of running backs. They have a bunch of wide receivers. You need the vice versa. Just stay active and make sure that you're selling selling high and you're buying low. And if you keep doing that, you'll keep cultivating your roster and making them rise from week to week. Any uh, trade uh, little schemes or anything that you... First and foremost, buy me dinner first. I cannot stand the cold trade the cold trade offer that's just sent. If you want a player, you know, warm me up a little bit, talk to me, you know, and I'll return the favor. Like I always do that too. I try to engage in that conversation because first and foremost, too, the other thing you want to know is you want to know how that manager values that player because just because a player is you know a certain value to you and would be that value to your team doesn't mean that that owner looks at that player in the same light. You don't want to be either over-offering or under-offering and then piss them off and then the trade's dead before it even happens. So it's good to have a good understanding of how that manager values the player you want. And then the last bit of advice that I will give you, especially as we're going through this crazy bipocalypse one week, no buys the next, and a bipocalypse the next, look at the player's buy week. If you can trade a player, especially when you're going into the home stretch, right, and you're trying to make one of those consolidation trades, or you're trying to take bench assets and put them in your starting lineup, or you're just trying to make your team stronger, look at the players. If you can trade away a dude that's already had a bye week and you're getting a guy, or I'm sorry, if you can trade away a dude that hasn't had a bye week and you're getting a guy that already has, you just gained a week of value out of that trade, right? Because you're trading essentially five weeks of the regular season for six weeks of the regular season out of that player. And that's something to really consider when you're actually kind of wheeling and dealing. Or if you're on the fence about a trade and you don't know which way you're leaning. Always something to consider. And again, like I said, just conversate. Talk to the manager. Engage in an actual. Take him out to the bar. Get him drunk. Mike, I've seen you work some of your best magic over seven pints and a few shots of rumpies. And you start puppet mastering your friends and shit, pulling the players you want out of their teams right there in front of you. Oh, and then on that, I will close with this. It's the one thing I can't stand. Don't ask me for one of my dudes and then badmouth that dude and tell me why he sucks, but yet you still want him. Deal is dead before it even starts <laughs> if you try that crap. You know, to... Uh just pat myself on the back and give myself the credibility of why you should listen to me when I start talking about guys you should trade for or about how about to go about it. Ryan, do you remember in our league probably seven years ago, I executed three trades in less than two minutes in the second and third trade had players that I didn't even have on my own team. Do you remember when that hit the waiver wire? Like, how is that possible? Hey, uh, I'm thinking about trading, you know, this for that. Would you take this trade if it was up? That guy isn't even on your team. Don't worry about it. Hypothetically, if that guy was on my team, would you execute this trade? Do I have your word on it? Then letting all those trades process back to back to back so everybody would get off of work and be like, how is this possible? And Mike just made three trades with guys that weren't even on his team. Oh. Because you're absolutely insane. Like you, you are like, you know how there's adrenaline junkies in the world? Like, like Josh Allen's an adrenaline junkie, like just wants to get hit, like just has to. Like you're a trade junkie. Like we've been sitting, we, like I can't tell you how many times like you reached out to me in our dynasty league and been like, there's trades going on, Ryan. We're not involved. We have to get involved with these trades. I'm like, 
Mike, we're good. We can just sit and pat. We can stand pat for a while. And, like, you see other people trading. And I think, like, you get this little itch and you just you feel the need that you have to get in there. You have to make players move. You have to be wheeling and dealing nonstop. And I, I think you get a little you get a little bit of a rise out of it, dude. Like it excites you a little bit. I can, you know, you're, you're smiling a little bit bigger. You know, your shoulders are up a little bit higher. Like, I, I know. I see what it does to you, buddy. I see. I always, I'm sitting there thinking when I'm on the toilet or when I'm driving my car on the way to work or whatever, I'm always thinking, how can I even incrementally get 1% better? Because all those 1% and 5% jumps that you take are how you get to a dominant position in your league. So it's what I love. All right, Fanaholics, you know what time it is. It's time for the ballers and fallers. My baller for the week is going to be Trey McBride. You all just picked him up off the waiver wire. This guy had 46% of his targets, his first read targets. You never see that from a tight end. He just had 14 targets. This is somebody you can put right into your lineup, and he's going he's gonna to have a game for you. My faller is going to be DeAndre Hopkins. Anybody that eats a banana, I'm not trusting this guy. You had four receptions last week for Hopkins. Three of them went for touchdowns. The likelihood of that continuing is pretty minuscule. He's ranked pretty high by a lot of the analysts that I see. I'm, 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 I'm falling on that all week long. Ryan, who do you got? Yeah, man, I'm uh, going to start with my faller and work my way up. So we've kind of made fun of this guy or his coach. We made fun of earlier. Um, but my faller this week is going to be Pollard. Um, he was going up against the number one run defense in Philadelphia. Um, we've all seen that McCarthy struggles to figure out how to use his skill players. And if you're going to beat Philly, you got to go to the air, right? That's how you beat them. Like I see Dak throwing. I see a Cook's Day. I see a C.D. Lamb Day. I don't really see Pollard getting it done unless he falls into the end zone or gets a lot of uh, a lot of touches or a lot of those catches in that PPR game. Um, not seeing the biggest week for him. Um, as for my baller, I'm gonna go with somebody I hinted at a little bit earlier. This one's gonna be it's kind of a risky, but my baller is gonna be Josh Jacobs. I think you know what you got O'Connell, you got a new OC. He's kind of try to make a name for himself. He wants to set up his rookie QB for success. Um, they're gonna give the ball to the Jacobs. 20 plus times and I see him get in 20, 25 carries, 25, 30 touches. Um, you know, and that guy is going up against the 24th worst run defense in the giants. I think the game is set up for him to succeed and he is my prediction to ball out this week. Well, another, uh, another episode, another week marching on towards week nine here, buddy. Uh, friends, league mates, anybody listening, please like, and subscribe. Thanks for uh, for talking football, Ryan. 2.30 in the morning and you're, you're giving me the ugly lights just came out.